0: a well, lovely welcome. It's great to be back. I've been away on holiday in Mallorca for two weeks, so if you're looking at me and thinking, well, there's a tanned man, then your lies are beautiful because oh, I just don't go brown. But it's been great to be away, but it's even better to be back. And um, I believe that last week we had a video talk and that it was the kicking off of a series which we started called Circle Maker. Who was here and was it good? Yeah. yeah? Good. Some of you were here, or some of you thought it was good. I'm not sure which. <laughs> One or the other. So um, if you weren't here, then uh, let me fill you in a little bit about what last week was about, what Circle Maker was all about. Because we were sharing the story of a man called Honey. He's like this uh, first century BC rabbi. And um, the, the idea was, in the story, that there was this drought that went all across Israel. And an entire generation of Israelites were in danger uh, of, of dying because of this drought. And so what this, this man did was he drew a circle in the sand all the way around him. And he prayed this prayer. And He said, I will not leave this circle until God sends rain. It was this bold, audacious prayer. I will not leave until God sends rain. And... Um, then nothing happened. Like he just stood there. And I can imagine how awkward he must have felt as everyone's looking at him and looking at his circle, and there's no, there's no hole at the back. It was a full circle, it wasn't a semicircle. He, he couldn't get out and he's just stood there. And when you pray those kind of prayers, it's risky. When you say, I'm not going to move until God does, that's audacious and it's risky. And if you vow that you're not going to stop until it rains, like that must have felt so foolish and so risky. And so we've been learning this, this new way to pray. And that's the idea of the whole of this series is, is to add an extra prayer arrow to our quiver to learn a new way that we can pray. And uh, last week we were talking about what prayers, what promises that we want to write down and put into a circle. What is it that you want to be healed? What's the hurt that you've been suffering? What's the dream that you're trying to grasp hold of that you will put in a circle and say, Lord, I am not moving until you move. And we don't want to be vague. We want to be specific. We want to name the problem and we want to also write down the solution and ask Jesus, will you move in my life? So today I've given everybody, or the welcome team, more truthfully, has given everybody one of these little bits of paper. Can you find it? If you can't find it, feel free. Stick your hand up. They will get one to you. And the idea of this bit of paper is that I believe that God will speak to every single one of us today. That if you're here and you're in church, God has already been speaking to you and he's going to speak to you. At some point in my message, I don't know when it will be. It could be already, it could be now, it could be right at the end. I believe God is going to speak to you and give you a prayer that you can write down in the middle of a circle. And so I want to encourage you, whenever that is, to just write it down. And to write it down really specifically. Don't, Don't just say, here's the problem. Write down what you want the solution to be. But don't write down anything. Wait for God to speak to you. This is something that I think I've done before without realising it. Like I never had this language. I never had this idea. But I remember when I first, well in fact it was before I even became a Christian. Um, There was a time when I was 18 years old. And I was having a conversation with my dad. And it was one of those conversations where my dad was saying, what are you doing with your life? Has anyone else had those conversations with their dad? You're throwing it away. What do you think you're doing? Now, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't believe in God, anything like this. And he is having a go at me and saying, what do you think you're doing with your life? And in the middle of this argument, I had what I can only describe as a vision. i would not had one before like it. I've not really had one since in the same way. But I had this picture. I saw a picture of me standing in front of 2,000 people and I was preaching. And I burst out laughing, and my dad was like, this, this isn't a joke, Like, this isn't funny, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I can't tell you what I'm going to do with my life, because you'd laugh at me. That like, I didn't believe in God, but I somehow believed this vision, and I, and I held on to it, and then it was two years before I even met Jesus, two years before I'd have said that I was a Christian, and that just stayed. It was like I, I drew a circle around this vision and I said that is a promise from God and I'm not going to let go of it. And then after that, I became a Christian. I was meeting people and they were like, oh, so what are you doing? You know, Who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm Ben. I'm, I'm going to lead a church. And some people were like, oh, that's cool. And other people were like, what's this 20 year old kid talking about? And like, I, I felt like an idiot and I kept on saying it. And then life took me in different directions and I kept on saying it to people. And it felt foolish. It felt stupid. It didn't feel like it was a reality. And that was, that was 16 years ago. And it's only this year that I can now say I'm leading a church. And it's not a church of 2,000 yet. So I've still got that circled. I'm still praying that. I'm still waiting. But this is really what we're talking about. We're talking about the promises that God gives us, the things he puts on our heart. Drawing circles around them, even when they feel stupid, even when they feel foolish, and saying, We're not going to let go. And the truth is, I think with these kind of prayers, they should feel a little bit stupid. If you're doing this right, if you're understanding what we're saying, you should feel slightly uncomfortable. There should be something inside you that's like, This is risky, this is big, this is hard. And I want to encourage you today, and I want to inspire you to be praying bigger prayers than you've ever prayed before. Last week, we heard all about the story of a guy called Joshua, and Joshua was told that God would give him the promised land. And he went in and it was occupied. And last week we heard this really famous story about him circling a city called Jericho. He didn't attack it, he just walked around it and they praised and they worshipped. And they trusted that God would fulfil his promise. And that must have felt foolish. That must have looked stupid. If you've got kids and you watch VeggieTales, I imagine little peas on the top of the walls laughing at them. If you haven't watched VeggieTales... Watch VeggieTales. There's a great thing to learn from today. It must have looked really, really silly to be walking around, and I can only imagine everyone's surprise as the walls fell down. That's one of the most famous stories of Joshua. And today, I want to I tell you another story of Joshua. It happens four chapters later in chapter 10 of Joshua, and it's not the most famous story of Joshua, but it's my absolute favourite So if you've got your Bibles with you, find chapter 10. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to summarise it because the story is quite long. But you can read it in your own time. You You can go back and look at all the details because this is an audacious story. It is an audacious prayer. And the story starts with a war, with a battle news comes to Joshua and his armies that there's five Amorite armies that are going to attack them. And Joshua thinks, we need to do something. We need to get somewhere fast. And he says, what if we march through the night? We could surprise them, and then we could get the upper hand. So that's how this story starts, with the idea that that this army is going to march to the other army, catch them first thing in the morning, and surprise them. And as he's marching across the land, God speaks to him clearly. In verse 8 it says, "Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you." So it gets to dawn and the Israelites unleash a surprise attack on the enemy. And right from the start the battle is going really really well. The enemy lines, they break and they start to flee and Joshua's men chase them down. And it says That as they fled before Israel, God got personally involved. It says the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky. It's this picture of God and his people in unison fighting the same enemy together. And then the sun begins to sink at the end of the day, and Joshua is left with this decision. You see, the victory that God had promised was not yet complete. And he realised that when it got dark, the enemy are going to slip away. They're going to go and they're going to hide and they won't have won. Maybe he realised that if they didn't win this battle now, there would forever be fighting them. Or maybe he just believed God's promises. The truth is we don't know exactly. But what he does is he prays an unorthodox, audacious, crazy prayer That must have looked foolish to every single person around him. Verse 12, he says, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon over the valley of Igelon. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? That the sun would just stop? Crazy, what was this guy smoking? (laughs) And you know what's even crazier? The Bible says that God said yes. It says that for 24 hours for a day, the sun stopped and it stayed where it was until every single one of the enemy had been defeated. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. Now, you're probably like me, sitting here, going all scientific and being like, well, did God stop the earth on its axes? Is that how he did this? Or did he create a second sun that sat in the skies that the earth? And the point, none of that really matters. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what God did. Really, what the Bible does is it shouts this question at us, which is the question I want to shout at you today, which is, Do we believe that God wants us to pray audacious prayers like Joshua? Do we believe that God answers big, crazy, scary, foolish prayers? And the truth is, I believe he does. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that He wants us to be asking these big questions, these big prayers. And do you know what? I want to know in my life what it's like to pray for something like that. I'd love to know how Joshua felt to literally just see that son stop. To know that he was that much in God's will. I want to see that for my life. I want to see that for this church. I want to see that for your life. I'm captivated by this faith of this man of God. But here's the problem. I think when we talk about prayer, we're British and we do better at remembering uh, the prayers that didn't happen than the prayers that did happen. And and I think that we don't really know if we're doing it right a lot of the time. I remember one time uh, in the car driving back from the hospital with Emma and we were sitting there and we're just like, we don't know what to pray. like. We, we just had, we'd just been told by the hospital that we were having an ectopic pregnancy. And we were like, well, what do we pray? Do we pray for peace? Do we pray for healing? What's the right prayer in that situation? We don't know. And, and as well for me, I always remember the prayers that didn't get answered. Like I say, like, there was a time when I was a youth worker and four of the young people came and they said, will you pray for us? We all need healing. And I prayed for them and one of them was healed. And I went home and I, genuinely, I went home and I cried because three of them weren't healed. Like I was so focused on what God didn't do that I was missing what he did do. I was missing the fact that there was a boy who walked in that day who was told that he would never walk properly and then left completely dancing and skipping and running around, like completely healed. But we miss the positive because we focus too much on the negatives, on the bits that we don't understand. And so as I've been reading this book, Circle Maker, I think it gives us some helpful things to help us to learn what wise ways to circle prayers are. That we don't just end up circling tiny little prayers, but that we can circle ever-increasing, ever-larger prayers. So I'm going to give you three things I've taken from this book which are going to help us today. Are you up for this? Good. Three filters three things to base your prayer on. So the first thing, number one, you can write this down if you've got your journals with you. Draw a circle based on God's vision. Draw your circles based on God's vision. I don't think that when we're talking about circling prayers that you can just say, God, I want a yacht. I'm circling a yacht and I will not leave my circle until I'm on the Mediterranean. (coughs) I don't think that's what this is all about. I think that we need to get more in sync with how God sees this city, with what God sees happening. This is what Joshua did beautifully. He was so in sync. He remembered as he was praying that promise that God had given him. Verse 8, Do not be afraid of them, God had said. I will give them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Joshua wasn't fighting for himself. He wasn't fighting for his own glory. He wasn't fighting for stuff that he just wanted. He was fighting for the glory of God. He knew God's vision. We need to learn to pray for God's promises. Pray for God's promises. Imagine him standing there, like, think about it. He's marched all night. He's fought all day. You couldn't ask for anything more. He's done everything that he can do. And I imagine him standing there looking up at the sun, seeing it setting and just realising the situation is impossible. It simply doesn't add up. There's not enough minutes left in the day for me to achieve what God wants me to do. Like what more can I do? He must have been asking these kind of questions. What more could you have expected of me? I marched all night, I fought all day, we've given it 100% and we've run out of time. What else could I do? And I believe that as we live our lives, we get these same questions. You know, God tells us to do things and we're like, it doesn't add up. It's not logical, there's not enough time. There's not enough money. I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too broke. You know God wants you to go on a mission trip, but it doesn't add up. God tells you to take this job, but you look at your finances, you're like, it doesn't add up. There isn't enough left. You know that God is telling you to get married, to adopt a child, to to step out in faith somewhere. But when you do the maths, it simply doesn't add up. And so Joshua does. The same thing that Honey does. He just cries out to God. And he says, the only way this is going to work is if you do something amazing, that you will get the glory. It's not about me. These prayer circles aren't about us. They're all about God. And God stretches out the time. And God stretches out the resources. and God does this most incredible miracle. So don't pray more. Let's learn to pray more wisely. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Do you know God's vision? Do you know God's vision for the church? Do you know God's vision for your life? If you're sitting here and you don't, I'd love to encourage you to get onto the formation course. We've been talking a lot about it. But a large part of that course is helping every single one of us to understand God's vision for the city, God's vision for our history, but God's vision for your life personally. To be able to articulate it and write it down in detail. So if you can't answer that, please sign up. The space is still available for the September and the October start dates. So the first thing we need to do with these circles is we need to base them on God's vision, on God's perspective. The second thing, we draw circles based on God's faithfulness. Psalm seventy-seven, eleven: I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Okay. I really think that this point is hugely significant, and I want us to get this. So I'm going to get a bit practical, and I'm going to need some help. I need some people to come to the front. So I'm going to start with Steve and ask Steve to come. Steve is honey. He looks a bit like a rabbi, and Steve is going to stand here for me. And what I'd love for you to do is think, who can you remember in the Bible that risked looking foolish and trusted God? Anybody? Can you think of anybody in the Bible who risked looking like a fool and trusted God? Noah. Noah. Yes. Come up, Lucy. Come up. (laughs) Noah. Yes. Anyone else? Joseph. Who said Joseph? Come forwards. Anyone else? Now this is where it gets harder. Somebody else. Come. A few people come forward as you think of people. David. Who said David? Come forwards. Anyone else? Can we think of anybody else in the Bible who looked foolish? Jeremiah, Jeremiah come forwards, Jeremiah. Anybody else? Daniel, 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 come forwards. Anyone? So we're going to do well, who? No one. you're at the beginning of the Bible. Who have we got? Joseph, Joseph is quite near, quite near the beginning. And the Technicolor Dreamcoat, that Joseph, great. Who have we got? Daniel. Daniel. Daniel, David, sorry. David. Well, let's make a... David. Two Davids, okay, you can come together. Who have you got? Daniel. Daniel, come further this way. We're doing... This is our biblical timeline. Uh, Let's get a couple more New Testament. Anybody in the New Testament? John the Baptist. Mary has jumped up. Peter. Peter. Peter times two. Robert at the end. So, what we'll do, quickly, can I get a microphone? I'm going to quickly go down this line. I want to ask you who you chose, why they looked foolish, and what happened. Really succinct though, yeah? Do you get it? So. Um, I chose Noah, and Noah looked foolish because he was building a boat on completely dry land. What was the other? Thing? What happened? What happened? The rain came, and he didn't look foolish anymore. Was saved. I chose Joseph because um, he insisted on putting away loads of food during a time of great prosperity in um, farming-wise, and then um, the um, there was a massive uh, drought and uh, famine, and all of that they put away, that enabled him to uh, make money through selling that on to other areas. Well, I actually chose David, but looks like there's two Davids, so I'm going to choose Moses. Hey. <laughs> but uh, you know, standing before Pharaoh and asking for, for the Hebrews to be released, that was a big step out for him. And they were. And, of course, David famously went out to face this giant armed only with a, sting and fi- a sling and five pebbles. And And one. Um, <laughs> Uh, I chose Jeremiah. Um, God told him to go and preach to Israel and then took away his power of speech, so he had to do it all by mime. <laughs> I chose Daniel because he worshipped God regardless of what everyone else was telling him to do, and then he faced the lions and he didn't get eaten. Yes. Uh, you chose Honey because he stood in a circle and prayed for it to rain, and it rained. Uh, John the the Baptist uh, because he ate um, locusts and wild honey and prepared the way for the Lord. Mary, because she had a baby um, without a husband um, and that was not the done thing. But it was Jesus. Hooray. Peter, because he chose to step out of the boat and walk on the water even though uh, he'd repeatedly messed up in front of other people. Great. So what I would like for you to do now is everybody turn 90 degrees to your left. This is our timeline. This is a picture of history. And what I want you to realise in this image is that we don't stand alone. When God speaks to us, it's easy for us to think this is hard and we've got no context. But what Honey, I believe, did right here was when he was looking forwards and seeing difficulty in the future, he turned and he looked behind. And what he saw behind him was time after time after time after time after time after time of God calling people to step up, to step out, to do something that felt foolish and felt risky. And time after time after time, God was with them. Time after time after time, that prayer was answered. And do you know what the amazing thing is? You stand here. You stand looking back after generation of generation, when God calls you out, when God calls you forward, when God gives you big dreams and big vision, you're not standing on your own. You are standing in the footsteps of generation after generation after generation of answered prayers, of people who have risked it all and seen God have their back every single time. Can we thank these guys? So when we're thinking about our prayer circles, when we're we're praying about what we should put inside them, I want you to remember the faithfulness of God. See, this is why we share stories so much at church, because there's something about other people's stories that provokes faith inside us. There's something about them which makes us say, well, if God could do it for them, he could do it for me. If God could do it for Sarah, maybe he would answer that prayer for me. If God can do it for Johnny, maybe he would answer that prayer for me. Every single one of those people looked foolish, but the results spoke for themselves. So we base our circles on God's perspective, God's vision. We base our circles on God's faithfulness. And number three, we want to base our circles on God's strength. In Matthew 19 26, Jesus says, With God, all things are possible. Do you believe that? With God, all things are possible. God can take the sun and stop it in the sky. Do you believe that? With God, all things are possible. The modern mystic A.W. Tozer believed that a low view of God is the cause of a hundred evils. But a high view of God is the solution to 10,000 problems. If it's true... Your biggest problem isn't your impending divorce. It's not your financial situation. It's not the issues that you're dealing in your life. Your biggest problem is how big or how small you believe God is. Here's how maths works with God. God is greater than X. I was never much better at maths, but I can get this. God is bigger than X. And you can substitute X with anything. Think of anything, whatever you thought of, you can use that as X. God is greater than your finances. God is greater than your health. God is greater than the amount of time you've got. God is greater than what you can see. However big something is, God is greater. You plus God is always a majority. But there's a drought. Well, God is greater than the drought. But, but the sun is about to set. Well, God is greater than the laws of nature. God is greater than the finances. God is greater than parliament. God is greater than the biggest evils of this world. Substitute X with anything because God is greater. God showed Joshua that he was all powerful. Do you believe this? Do you believe that God is all-powerful in your life? There's really only two answers to that question. It's either a yes or a no. You can't, you can't go in the middle. God is either all-powerful or he's not. Now, I was talking to Anthony about this this week, and he described it as being like a car. You either want to be in the car or you want to get out the car, but don't go kind of halfway. That sounds crazy. God is either all-in or he's not. He's all-powerful. Oh, he's not? Do you believe that God is all powerful? Last year in my grow group, I dared them. I said, write down 10 prayers each and we're going to stick them in a bottle and we're going to pray that God will answer all of these prayers in the next 12 months. Uh, and then 12 months later, this was back in October, we took the bottle and we smashed it and we looked back on the prayers that we prayed. And we didn't pray for like, tiny things. We tried, to, we tried to stretch ourselves. They were like, one person prayed that they would get married. One person prayed that they would have a baby. Um, one person prayed that they would lead a church. Uh, and the amazing thing, I won't tell you who that one was, well, the amazing thing was time and time again, the answers came back yes. In fact, for each person, roughly eight out of 10 prayers were answered in 12 months. Now, you could be a cynic again. You could be sitting here and going, well, what about the other two? Let me just say, somebody in my grow group thought it was funny to pray that God would grow them a third arm. I'm quite grateful sometimes God doesn't answer prayers. (laughs) We don't always know the best things to pray for. I was Eight out of ten was phenomenal. So we've done it again this year. We've done the same thing. We've written down ten prayers again, and we've put them in a bottle. Do you believe that God can answer your prayers? How big is your God? You know, with God, there's no big or small. God created everything. Sometimes when I get the the big scary prayers, I do this thing. I don't know if you do it, um, but I do this thing where I start changing my language and I suddenly become a theologian. Anybody else? you, You start having to use much more complicated words for the big prayers. You know, you have, to, you have to steep it in great theology. I start in Genesis and I'm like, Lord, in the beginning, there was man and it was not good for him to be alone and there was woman. And then Abraham came and, was, and, I, and I do this big theological and I'm trying to be clever, so I use thus and these because I'm trying to impress God. Like if I speak cleverly, he's going to then answer my big prayers. But the truth is, with God, there's no big or small there's just prayers. You don't need to be clever to pray a big prayer. You don't need to twist God's arm to be like, I'm going to force you to do my will. You don't need to get all het up and all frustrated. You don't need to go crazy. With God, there's no big or small. You can just bring your prayer. You can just say it as it is. And whatever it is, however big your prayer is, remember that math equation that God is greater than X. God is greater than X. I'm going to invite the band to come up now. I want to give you a moment this morning. I gave you those pieces of paper. uh, And my prayer is that God will have shared something with you today. That there'll be something where you're like, this is a prayer which I need to circle. This is something I'm not going to give up on because I believe this is God's will. I believe this is God's vision. I believe that God wants me to have freedom in this area. I believe God wants me to have healing in this area. So I'm going to circle this and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep praying until it happens. I read a story a little while ago about a pastor and he did this. He, he wrote a list of his friends and there was 100 people on this list. And every single day, he would pray for them that they would know Jesus. And one by one, he saw them saved. One by one, he saw them find Jesus. And then he passed away, and the list hadn't been finished. There was four left. Out of 100, there was four who had not encountered God. And then at the funeral, they were sharing about his life. And those last four said, this is incredible. We want to make a decision to follow Jesus. What is it that God has put on your heart that you're going to circle? We're going to, if you guys can play some music now, I want to just give us a moment to pause and reflect and to hear from God. I want to give you that space and just listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Listen to your gut, listen to your heart, and write it out with some specifics. Don't say, Lord, give me a home. Write out specific. Say, Lord, I pray that you will give me a four-bedroom house. <laughs> Don't say, Lord, I just want to be better. Say, Lord, I pray that you will remove this disease from this part of my body, and that it will never come back. Get specific. Don't just say, I'm going to circle that. I want to be a church leader that that's enough. Say, I'm praying that I will be leading a church of 2,000 because that's the promise you gave me. And I'm gonna keep praying that, keep praying and seeing your church grow. What are the promises that God has given you that you're gonna circle? What are the fears that you want him to heal? What do you see in this broken world that you're gonna say, I'm gonna keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. I'm gonna draw a circle won't be a semicircle, there's not going to be anything at the back, there's no escape clauses for me today, but I'm going to persevere, I'm going to commit. write it down write it down there's something about writing something down that solidifies it and as you write it you should feel foolish you should feel stretched you should feel like this couldn't just happen you should feel like you might be asking the Sun to stop But I believe that God wants the sun to stand still over every single one of us. That God wants to do greater miracles than you could possibly have imagined. So stretch yourself.